The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning, my friends, and thank you for joining us again and for the wonderful opportunity that I have to be able to take a few minutes and share God's Word with you. I want to congratulate you on setting aside some time throughout the day to make God's Word important. Uh, We live in a unique day where technology is so easily accessible, and we're glad that you've allowed us uh, to be part of your spiritual journey. And uh, so we're grateful you joined us today, and we hope we can be a huge encouragement. Today, we're going to finish Genesis chapter 39 as we've been going through the life of Joseph and talking and learning principles from how he endured and was so faithful during all the things that God allowed him to go into. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 39. I mentioned two episodes ago that I came that day and planning to give three principles. It ends up being three different episodes. So let's go ahead and read the scripture we're going to look at, and then we'll jump into the principle today. Genesis chapter 39, uh, we're looking at verse number 21. The Bible says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. When we look at this, remember we talked about the fact that Joseph had been brought to the point where he was in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife had been trying to seduce him for a long period of time. Finally, in frustration, uh, she grabs him, he throws the coat off, and then she uses that as a lie uh, out of anger to him, and he was thrown into prison. Now, we talked about the potential that maybe he could have been killed, and out of grace, whatever reason, Potiphar threw him in prison. Either way, he was exactly where God had needed him to be, in the prison where the king's guards, king's prisoners were. And so, what I want to do, we talked about the place we need to be in, we talked about his presence, and today I want to take time and, and conclude these three thoughts, talking about his uh, the pros- his prosperity, how he can prosper us. I want to take a minute, though, and inter- as I talk about this introduction, I think it's important for us, before we get into looking at receiving prosperity from God, if we can look at it that way, number one, this is not prosperity gospel. If you come in thinking, I'm going to give you three steps to become wealthy under God, uh, you're not going to stay. Stick around, though. I think you'll find true, true prosperity through Jesus. But um, we have to understand what prosperity is. The world gives the idea that prosperity means you're wealthy, you're healthy, everything's good, there's no problem, that's prosperity. Even some religions teach that. The healthier you are, the wealthier you are, the more God loves you. None of that is accurate. None of that is true. Uh, There were some very wealthy people in the Bible blessed by God, and then there were some very poor people blessed by God. God doesn't see things the way we do. So first of all, let let me tell you what I think sometimes we do. I think sometimes we create a box and we say, this is prosperity, uh, biblical. I don't think we're trying to look always at you know, this, you know, humanistic or material blessing. We say this is biblical. Here's what we do. We say, well, God's blessed this person, and, and once I get a life like him, or once I get these gifts, or once I get that, sometimes we see that. Sometimes we see what we want to see. We think uh, in our ministry, in our family, if, if, I, if God's going to bless me and bring prosperity, these are the things. And, and, and to be honest with you, nothing's farther from the truth. There's nowhere in Scripture where I put a pattern, a menu of things, and if once God does that, then I've been blessed in prosperity. As a matter of fact, in many occasions, people find true fulfillment in the exact opposite of that, totally outside of what they thought prosperity looked like. 
So true prosperity, let me, in a simplistic term, true prosperity is God fulfilling his will and true sanctification process in our life. That's prosperity. You see, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God desires goodness in my life. God desires more than just happiness, joy and fulfillment in my life. That's prosperity. Amen. I can, you know, I might enjoy financial prosperity. I know I will enjoy blessings in my family. I know I'll enjoy a healthier marriage, a healthier home. That doesn't mean that there won't be battles in it. I know very good friends of mine battling uh, physical conditions. That doesn't mean that, but in the midst of that, there is joy. You know what? Fulfillment is not the absence of struggle. Fulfillment is God's great blessing and joy in the midst of them. The world cannot offer that. This is what prosperity is. God's power in my life, God's working in my life, God's fruit in my life to fulfill his purpose and his sanctification process. That's really prosperity. And then ultimately his plan in my life. And so true fulfillment, true prosperity is me getting to the place of submission where I can allow this to happen. The reason we struggle with this is because we want God to hand us a three or four step process. If I do these three to four things, God will bless me. And it's easier that way. But the problem is that still becomes about me. We, the, pro, the, the ultimate goal for prosperity is to ha- give over control of these things to God and let God work. So let's see how this happens. The first thing we need to do, I think we need to recognize the two, remind ourselves of the two things necessary before we get to here. Uh, we talked about the last two episodes. First of all, I must embrace the place that God has put me in. We talked about that, and if you haven't seen it two episodes ago, we talked about understanding the place that God has us in. I must embrace it. I must not just say, okay, God, you have me. I must embrace it. Uh, King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes that, uh, you know, there are new seasons, a time for everything. He says there's a time to be born, a time to die. And there's a whole list of things in Ecclesiastes that talks about our times or the seasons of life. You know, we can focus our attention on only the negatives of the seasons, or we can focus attention on the good of the seasons. I'm personally not a huge fan of cold. Um, I'd rather it be warmer. But I'm telling you, when I go out and it's colder, I can say, man, I don't like cold, or I can embrace one wonderful, great blessing of that season. This cold is going to kill off more spiders. And so I embrace the season so that it makes the summer season just a little bit better. Now, I'm being silly, but you understand, we can embrace the good and ba- good of all of it. Same thing in our life. The season God has you in this on purpose so I can, I can kind of get through it or I can embrace the season he has right now and grow in it. So I embrace the season, and number two, I, I embrace the place, but number two, I, I learn his presence. I recognize his presence. This is where I begin to recognize the voice of God. I recognize his leading. I recognize his direction. And I just stop. I, I wait and see, the, trust and wait and see that the Lord, taste and see that the Lord is good. I wait, and I just see, God, how can I learn? How can I learn you and recognize you? And in that, I begin to see God work. So I embrace the season. I embrace his place. I embrace his presence both of those his, then I can begin to enjoy his prosperity. Now, I have to do that by recognizing where the prosperity comes from. So let's look at these verses. Verse number 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Now, there's three things that God said the Lord did for Joseph, and he just kind of comma and. So the Lord was with Joseph, and we can say, and the Lord showed him mercy, and the Lord gave him favor. Let me tell you, the one he was with him. We, we talked about that presence. But you know what's interesting? It says the Lord showed him mercy. What do you mean by that? The Lord gave him grace and mercy to endure the prison. When God puts me in the place he has, he will give me the strength. He will give me the grace and the mercy to endure and prosper 
in that place that he has me. So I recognized that, and so he showed him mercy, but then also the third thing, he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Here's an interesting point. I believe that Joseph was faithful. Obviously, that we see that to be true. He was a man of integrity. He did not complain as far as we know about where he was or ask God why. He just kept going, at least according to what's recorded in Scripture. But it's interesting here that God did not bless Joseph's action. God gave him favor in the sight of the keeper. God came down and allowed the keeper to see it. God was still in control. God says, listen, I need you here in the prison. I'm going to use this because I need you to have the freedoms, a little more freedoms. I need you to be in a certain place. And so I'm going to let this pagan man recognize this. So in this place, we see that this was God's prosperity. God was the one moving. Let's go back and look again. Let's see what the extent of this prosperity in verse 22. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all that the prisoners, all, all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did, he was the doer of it. He had freedom to roam and freedom to talk, and ultimately that became the reason he could talk to the butler and baker. It had to be done this way so that God's plan could be fulfilled. And interestingly enough, in doing that, he made the keeper's life easier. He helped the people around him. In, letting, in Joseph allowing God to fulfill his plan, it, it ended up being better for everybody who was around him. And again, people were blessed because of his faithfulness. But then verse 23, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. So the keeper stopped being worried and he said, Joseph, you're in control. Same thing that Potiphar's, it happened in Potiphar's house. He says, because the Lord was with him. Now, please, I don't believe, I could be wrong. I don't think that the keeper sat back and said, Obviously, God's with you. He wasn't a preacher. He was, he was just an Egyptian. And maybe he said, your God's with you, something special. But he recognized something was different. And so, please go. The power of God in his life, moving of the Holy Spirit, or at least the moving of God and blessing him in his life. Because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, catch this, the Lord made it to prosper. He didn't give Joseph five steps, do this, then I'll bless because Joseph embraced his place and trusted the presence and the plan of God, God made everything he did to prosper down there. That's what we need to do. When we embrace the season God has us in and trust and, and follow the presence of God and learn how to do that and do that, then we will recognize and God brings prosperity. Please remember, we don't get prosperity. We don't develop prosperity. We don't produce prosperity. Okay? This is God giving prosperity. God's the one that brings the fruit. You know, was it uh, in Corinthians, some plant, some water, God gives the increase? You know, Paul says, I have laid the foundation, others build upon. My job is to do my part. Now, th that's ministry, that's sowing, that's teaching. But this is true in my marriage. If I want God to bless my marriage, then I, don't, I, I embrace and make the best of the season he has me in. And I recognize his direction. And so as a husband, I love my wife and I love my kids and I teach them God's plan or teach them to trust in God through times that don't make sense. And I do that by teaching and then I do it by example. And I let them see the joy of the Lord. That's what we should be doing in the midst of, of crazy turbulent times. And then when you're really hurting, you're honest with them about, hey, this hurts. This is hard. Let's lean on God for this. Reality in the midst of these times. That's what we need to be teaching and living. And then when we do that, God, God will bless these areas. And so this is what we need to be looking at. We need to be accepting what God's doing and then accepting prosperity. So I give my marriage to God. Now here's what happens when I give my marriage to God. I go back to Ephesians 5, and as a husband, I'm to love my wife. 
like he says, like I love myself. And men, we know how much we love ourselves. I'm to treat her better than I treat myself. And that's pretty special, right? Um, in fact, in the last verse of Ephesians 5, it says, I'm to love my wife as I love my own body. No man ever hateth his own body, but loveth and cherisheth. it. That's how I should take care of my wife. So I need to do that, which means I do things for her, and I make her more important than my own desires. But then wives. Wives are told to respect their husbands, and wives say, well, I'll respect my husband as soon as he earns it. That's not what God said. I'm to reverence and respect, should respect him. Here's a thought I give wives. Would you want your husband to love you when, you when he feels you deserve it? No, we want that. So here's what we do. That pattern of accepting where God has me, following that pattern, then I can trust God to bless my marriage. So I, I train up my children, and I give them a good example, and I don't lead them in, you know, into frustration or anger, provoke not them to wrath as a scene, and I bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and, and I do what I'm supposed to, and I recognize the different seasons of life, and I try to teach them, then I just give it to God. I go to work, and I do right, and I have right ethics, and I, and I do my best, and the good and the bad, and I, and I just I have God's hand up on my life, and I move forward because I've embraced my season, and I've trusted his presence in it, and then I move forward. God will bless that. And then in ministry, I want to teach, and I want to see good things, and I want to, I want to be able to minister to my neighbors and minister to others in my church, so I embrace this weird season, and I see his presence in it, and then when I'm ready, then I begin to see him. He can prosper even in these crazy times. Now this will change from season to season, but the truths never do. Again, why do we struggle so much with this? And I believe it's a very, very simple truth. Why do we struggle so much with this? It's because very little of it has anything to do with what I do. I have very little control over this. And it's one of the hardest parts. Last Sunday we talked about the casting of lots in that upper room in Acts 2, or in Acts 1. You know, yes, it was an historical point, but why do they do it? Because when it's all said and done, the moment they cast the lots, they place the results into God's hands. I'm not saying cast lots or draw straws. What I'm saying is, now that we have the Holy Spirit permanently, we trust Him. And when He's given direction and we've recognized His voice and we're willing to follow it, we trust Him. It doesn't always make sense. And frankly, as in our human finite minds, it often rarely makes sense. But that doesn't matter because I stay with him and I trust him. These are the principles that I need to follow. These are the things for prosperity. And trust me, God wants only good for you. Now, first of all, you have to be saved. This is not just for anyone. This is for God's family. Are you saved? You know God in your, in your life. If not, I encourage you to repent of your sin today. Ask him to forgive you. Call upon Jesus today for salvation. Then you can begin that step. Be in the Word of God. Follow God. Trust Him. Do more than just know the Bible. Believe it. May it compel you to action. May it compel you to, in faith. May it compel you in works. May it compel you and be the thing that drives you. That is truth. That is faith that will drive you. And that is what ultimately brings prosperity. May we have the right mindset. May we have the right patience and submission to God and give it to Him. And know that He will bring what is best for me and most effective to glorify him. Thank you for joining us this Thursday edition of the Source of Truth podcast. Uh, we hope this is an encouragement. Uh, we hope you join us again tomorrow for the final of this week as we go through the week. And uh, we hope you'll join us again tomorrow, maybe and share it and encourage others to join us. And we really hope this continues to be a blessing as we hope to use the word of God to be a great encouragement to others. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time.